Now, when we moved into this house here in Amsterdam, which is lovely, the city, the house, everything's fine. No complaints there. They have a uh, they have a brew machine for the coffee. Now, uh, I have subsequently learned, thanks to my wife, who I think we've both realized that slowly but surely, Kim can do all of the public speaking for me. Which reminds me, you remember uh, Robert Simmons? <laughs> He uh, and by public speaking, oh, yeah. I mean in a non-professional capacity. Uh, I, I was about to say, you know, did, did Pivotal move her out to Amsterdam? Mm. And, no, 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 and, you no, know, no, no. You can stay home. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the thought lording, and she's gonna do the IRLing. That's, that's what's gonna happen. But uh, I remember one, one time Robert Simmons uh, told me that he, we were talking about something. He was like, Oh no, 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 my, my wife does all the talking when it comes to doing things <laughs> and, and he would just, uh, she, she would just handle everything for it. And I think we're slowly moving to that. So, so Kim uh, asked, we were at a coffee shop and I ordered an Americano and yet again, and again, this is all my problem, not, not anyone else's, uh, or it's, you know, no country or, or ethnic cuisine. It's all my problem. Yet again, I got this coffee and I took a sip and it was just like, the best word is disgusting. It was just way too strong. And, uh, and I was like, God damn it. I need to figure out how to order coffee here. So, so Kim went and asked and you call what they say here apparently is you get batch brew, uh, just brewed coffee, I guess. Is okay. fine. So, right. so they got one of those and it's fine. It's okay. But I finally got a, uh, uh, a Kim X, you know, like the little thing Ooh, that you put a filter fancy. in. Now, yeah. now this means that technically I am making pour over coffee. And my question, yeah. my question is, uh, is it going to be possible for me to avoid getting some sort of uh, fussy hipster label because I make pour over coffee? Is there a way to, to wheedle through that? <laughs> well, pro- probably you don't mention it on your podcast. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the, yeah, we were, we were before the show, we were talking about things we smuggled in and out of, uh, countries um Sh- sh- shampoo brought- up my butt to amsterdam is that how it goes <laughs> uh, I, w- I wasn't gonna go there i mean you know you got to keep some things private but um i was just gonna mention i brought like my aeropress i brought that over mm. uh, to, Aust- uh, to australia so i could you know um ma- make myself coffees but uh you know what they don't do here in australia is is uh drip coffee oh. you know it's it's, it's pretty rare um, and if that's what I to, want. That's all I want. Uh, well, I'm gonna. I'm, 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 okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Hear me I'm out. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you can find it occasionally in grocery stores. It's pretty rare, uh, but you can find you can find you know pre ground espresso. And I'm here to tell you that makes better drip coffee. Mm. It's almost like your americanos. Let's see. So pre ground so espresso saying, is what you're saying. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not fresh, right? Uh-huh. It's not like I'm some sort of coffee hipster. You know, I only have it fresh. But um, you don't you don't hand it. grind it. Uh, no, no. I, I I left the grinder in America. Picote, mm. <laughs> going going back a couple of minutes here. What what do you get if you order an americano in Amsterdam? Well, exactly? yeah, well, is that not is that I thought americano was. Dare I say universal? Let me tell you, I made no. a, I made a study of this, not by my choosing, uh, but it varies. I think that there is a wide variance in the Americanos you get around Amsterdam. Now, the place that I went to is a great, great little shop uh, on the way back from uh, my kid's school. It's called, um, man, it's called, I forget what it's called. I want to say rub a but that's that's not what it's called at all. <laughs> Rub-a-dub-dub. <laughs> Wub-a-lub-a-dub. Yeah, that's right. Anyways... Uh, what you get there is basically, I think they make you an espresso and they might take an eyedropper full of w- hot water and put it in there. Uh, but your classic ingredients for an Americano are basically, I think, a shot of espresso in a, like, maybe a shot or two of espresso in, like, let's just use Starbucks because everyone knows a tall cup from Starbucks. And then you fill the rest of it up with boiling water. So it's watered down espresso, which means... It's not as sharp or whatever the coffee people say as an espresso, but uh, it has that um, burnt thing to it. I don't know. Uh, but usually if you get an American, especially if you get an Americano in America, it just is sort of like really hot coffee that's actually kind mm-hmm. of more watery than you would get from, from brewed coffee. I don't know. But for forever... When I travel abroad, uh, an Americano has been like my my safe choice of things to get, right? Because, I mean, uh, as, okay. as 
as to to make to make the uh, the implicit super explicit. Uh, I just like what the rest of the world would call terrible American coffee. That's that's all I want. I just want my no. terrible American coffee, nice and watered down. I mean, I think probably, and I, I, I think this is probably the case. I think that like given the choice between what's quote unquote good coffee in the rest of the world and maybe just like a cup of Sanka, I'd probably want the Sanka. Like, oh. I just, well, I, you I, know, <laughs> you you can smuggle that back in. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah, idea. We're, we're, we're giving that stuff away. Or I mean, I guess I guess like, in, do you have a thing to declare? I guess I in certain coffee. certain places like Mexico, you get Saint, you get uh, Nescafe. I mean, that's and you know, mysteriously, oh, Mexico's got good coffee though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, really I know, but but I think it's I think it's more prevalent. At least it used to be back when I was a kid. And you know, I've noticed in German hotel rooms, they've always got like powdered coffee, which is is really? odd, but you know. Yeah, maybe some See, Germans can tell us what's up with that. Uh, you know, uh, Australia does it right. Like, mm. you know, they very little drip coffee. I mean, I, I I like I like a good drip coffee, but you know, espresso is usually better. Yeah, good espresso drinks everywhere. They don't. I don't really see Americanos. Uh, they order long blacks here, which uh, mm. have a little bit more water. Okay. Um, you know, according to the website I just looked up. I mean, um, it's probably because I thought they were the same thing. It's pretty close. Yeah, you know coffeeoftheday.com they probably know what they're talking about but uh they do those little nespresso espressos in all the hotels oh boy yeah yeah so those are those are those are decent you know it's like starbucks grade yeah Um, yeah those are okay those are i mean i mean i think uh uh yeah yeah i mean i think i think maybe a lot of it also stems around that and kim points this out is that i like black coffee like no sugar or cream and so i think like Mm. I think if you're drinking either really strong coffee with a ton of sugar, it's cool, right? Or, yeah. or not conversely, but also uh, if if you're if you're having coffee with cream in it, also who cares, right? Like it's you're fine. But but I don't I don't I don't like those two things. I just I just want my Sanka. Mm. I need Sanka. I haven't had Sanka right. in years. Anyways, uh, well, big week in tech. Lots going on. Big week. as 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 you can tell. I think I think there was a lot of fundings. You got you got your pager yeah. duty, and uh, uh, you know what 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 is an ops genie? I remember some stickers I used to have for them, but Atlassian <laughs> bought them for three hundred million dollars or so. What's what's going on yeah. there? Uh, ops genie. Um, I think they were kind of a uh, like a service now kind of. Um, Runbook automation kind of thing where you know oh you've oh got some stuff you want to do you tie it together mm-hmm. and you know you I, I think that's what they did and and so Atlassian is turning it around and turning it into uh, uh, let me open the link real quick uh, they already like rebranded it with a new name um, oh jeez and of course it's not Jira Ops um, so it's it's incident alert mm-hmm. and you know response so kind of fitting into that. Uh, well, that's you know, next gen stuff. Yeah, wow. kind of felt like it was it was the week of uh, notifications, right? Because PagerDuty was valued over a billion dollars, and then felt yeah. like Opsgeny. Who I think I think of Opsgeny in the same space, right? So they turn around and get bought probably two hundred fifty million. So I don't know. <clears throat> who knew? Uh, there's a lot of money in notifications. <laughs> <laughs> well, there. I, I didn't. I missed that notification. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I do think this is one, one of those areas um just in it management in general just that notifications is is something that i think everyone takes for granted and uh having been a part of multiple attempts to write various notification systems like it's always like you're always like well i think we could do that pretty fast and then you start to get into it and you're like this is a really really hard problem to do correctly and and so yeah um and this is why i think people at least at one point i don't know pager duty maybe had transcended this there was this point where it's like Ah, uh, page duty. It's not that good, or it's just kind of clunky, or whatever. And then you start to like replicate some of the functionality, and you kind of realize why it's it, it is the way it is. And then you're oh, like, yeah. "Wow, this is way too complicated. We should just use pager duty, right?" That seems to always <laughs> be, because um, yeah. I don't, I don't know, what, I don't know if there's like official market share, but like even AWS and Google Cloud, like all the cloud platforms we talk about, right? Like. I would guess most of the, many of the customers in production use PagerDuty. Maybe option, I don't know Opsgenie as well, but PagerDuty for sure. And it's 
none of the cloud vendors, I'm sure they all have similar functionality, but I bet you very few of them have gotten it right, like uh, PagerDuty works today is my guess. So so what are, they, what are some of these difficult problems uh, that, that, oh, that people geez. need to handle? Yeah. Well, so so having worked at a monitoring company slightly before the PagerDuty, you know, really took off, um, you know, having to deal with email. Okay, so oh yeah, we're gonna get you know this email system set up to talk to that email system, and oh, what happens if that one goes down? Well, we'll have a redundant email system. Hey, maybe we should do paging. Did you know that you know um, SMS and SN uh, whatever the the pager protocol, those are different. And, you know, SMS is not a guaranteed protocol. And then you're like, oh, well, how are we going to make sure that gets delivered? Well, Twilio didn't exist yet. So, you know, how are we going to, what library are we going to crack open to do SMS? You know, what are we going to use for pagers? Oh, you're, are you going to buy a pager appliance? You know, because actually, you know, they sell those for, you know, those, you know, old StarTech uh, style pagers. And then you're like, well, maybe we could just call people. And then, you know, that, again predated Twilio. So it was kind of like, that was a pain in the ass. And you, you know, you could, it, it was just like, how many things are you going to glue together and then try to put a UX over the top of that, that handles scheduling and, you know, who's on shifts and mm. taking over shifts. Oh yeah. Cause you want to like, if, if someone's not there, you want to rotate it to someone else. And if they don't respond right. some amount of time, right. you got to send it to this person. And yeah. Exactly, and it, right? And, and then, of course, you always have the, uh, you know, any type of scheduling, even just scheduling a meeting with three people. I'm sure people on this uh, listening to this podcast can understand how complicated that is. So then, of course, if everyone's like in a different time zone or you want alerts to go to different people during working hours versus, you know, their off hours and then the escalation schedule. So so it's like kind of like what Matt was saying. It's like all the different transports, which is usually like phone, SMS, email, Slack now, right? Uh, you have to figure all that out. Then you have to figure out a scheduling UI on top of it. And then, of course, you haven't really even gotten to the business problem, which is trying to, you know, everybody has some different escalation schedule and they all have different kind of business logic they want in it. So, like, suddenly you're just like, you're like, you started this, you're like, oh, we'll just send out a couple emails if something goes bad. And then, like, you know, just a couple sprints in, you're like, oh, my God, this 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 entire notification project is now more complicated than the thing that we were originally building right right uh, you and, know we're, we're a monitoring company why are we writing alerting or you know all, all yeah. this alerting logic when you know that's not what people are, are you know buying our product for is our yeah. ability to send email <laughs> and then of course if you're selling this to any type of enterprise customer right they have an alerting product of some kind already so they either and then yours is no way is your your alerting product going to replicate all their use cases. So this leads you back into it. And then at some point you're like you start looking around. And you're like, I don't know. Maybe we should just like uh, integrate with PagerDuty, right? That's sort of right, right. <laughs> and, 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 like, and, yeah, and to, to PagerDuty's credit, like there is competition. You know, there there's you know well, the old school sysadmins who are, you know they're going to roll their own. You got the half baked stuff that's built into you know a lot of monitoring tools. Um, there's a company called X Matters that's actually pretty large in the enterprise space. Um, they're not as much on the the self serve self service side of things. And then um, you know, but but I think to to PagerDuty's credit, like by taking the SaaS model, by I, I'm going to hazard to guess they haven't raised their prices over the years. They've just added more and more functionality. So it's like why would you ever go anywhere else? All right. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say X Matters because X Matters was sort of the pager duty before pager duty, right? It was like that yeah. was when you. They're still around. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but they, they were. Um, I guess they were. They were in position, if you will. They were sort of like if before you had SaaS, it was so prevalent. Everyone just everyone would have that same conversation I had before, and they didn't say, well. We can just let them buy X Matters if they want. Next Matters and figure out how to like put it on the enterprise and do all the integration. Um, and then, you know, I was at some companies, like kind of this was many years ago now, but there was this talk again. People would really were very dismissive of PagerDuty. They were like, I don't, you know, we'll just because again, like I've been through a couple of different versions where people are like we'll write our own, we'll create our own, and and so this is like it's just interesting as like a business strategy. It's like. Yeah, I mean, and I even remember being like, yeah, it's not that complicated. But then, you know, enough time goes by and then you're like, wow, they're worth a billion dollars. And some people I talked to because uh, we we're just having old conversations, they're like way overpriced. And I was like, I don't think so. I mean, I really do think for once I'm like, this is probably a billion dollar company because it is so complicated and it it's become so popular. Um, I think it's tremendously uh, valuable. Right. So like if you wanted right. to own all of notifications, 
in enterprises today, um, I think PagerDuty is by far and away the mm. number one uh, area in the space. So I don't know. I think they're going to do well. So, so then back to the Atlassian thing. So, so I, I mean, uh, so, so we, I was doing a little bit of research here to figure out exactly what Opsgenie does. And, and I knew all along. I just wasn't saying anything, just, just to be clear. But our, uh, our, our, you know, as, as interviewed uh, in one of the first episodes of Software Defined Interviews, which is a great podcast you should subscribe to, uh, Nancy Goring over at 451 had a write-up of the deal and, and what Opsgenie does. And it's, they basically, like, does uh, notifications. And you can also tell it when it finds something to uh, run a trace route for you or something exciting like that. Uh, anyways, so it does, uh, routing and notifications and, uh, alerts and stuff like that. So it's right in there, but now, okay. So that's great. Right. And I remember they have kind of okay stickers at the DevOps days. Uh, but, but like, so is, is, why does Atlassian care? care? Are they making Jira is like a bug tracker, but are they making that into a help desk? I mean, I guess. You well, probably I mean, you probably it, can't call it a help desk nowadays, so I apologize. I, I I think it's probably a DevOps culture catalyst is 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 what they would call it. But but like like are they are they moving that into uh, is that what they're going to do with Jira or something? Otherwise, like what, well, are they, what are they doing with this thing? I mean, we you know, we actually were kind of having this conversation a bit and and uh, in the software defined talk Slack about you know, bundling up of lots of different applications to build a platform. And, you know, Atlassian has a stack of apps, right? They've got, you know, maybe you get some Jira, maybe you get some uh, Bitbucket, uh, some Bamboo, you know, they, they've got, a, you know, Trello, you know, they've got a lot of the tooling that you would use in, in a, you know, quote unquote DevOps fashion, right? Um, so that, that whole, uh, you know, I don't like calling it DevOps tooling, but, you know, the, the whole, automation pipelines and 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 tooling associated with it and so this just becomes part of that stack where you know you might you might say like oh pager duty is the gold standard i i don't know the products well enough to say that but you also probably you know you're using some part of the atlassian stack and you say well i cut another check to pager duty or you know atlassian stuff's pretty good works well with confluence works with crowd does their uh, their LDAP integration automatically? I might as well just you know, in, mm. you know, slightly increase my my Atlassian check. And so, it's not an you know, it's not an uncommon pattern to to keep adding stuff to your platform stack, um, just to you know, you know, you you don't have to be the best tool. You just have to you know work well with all the other tools that people are already buying. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, no, that makes. I mean, I think, I think, I think you're, uh, as as they say, somewhere around here, spot on there. That that makes sense. And I think, I think the other thing is, uh, uh, I, I I should go look this up. But it looks like they are uh, launching uh, like an ops version of Jira called like Jira Ops or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A product launched this week. So there you go. They uh, you yeah. buy you buy the thing and you announce the deal and you got a new brand name. Uh, which, there you go. which, uh, which, which sounds good. So I guess there is, uh, you got that, uh, you got that market expansion. This is like service now is always doing into this. They're like, we're getting into new TAMs. We're TAMed out over here. So, uh, that share price ain't going to grow itself. We got to get into a new thing, right. uh, which, which is, yeah. that's great. That's fine. And, uh, so yeah. I guess, I guess that's what we would expect from Atlassian is to, uh, to use what apparently is one of your favorite tools, uh, phrases, Matt Ray, some DevOps tooling, a DevOps tool suite. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. What, yeah. I, I do think yeah. on the strategy side, it'd be interesting because I think Alassian, right, they just uh, recently got rid of HipChat, so, which is sort of like an interesting, I don't know, I think it's an interesting parallel. It's like, okay, Slack had won, so they got out of the HipChat business, makes sense, and Slack's maybe more broad, but like, does the same thing play out um, as they kind of pull together these other tools? Because I think it makes a lot of sense for them to have it in their suite, but there also could be... Um, you know, if we roll the clock forward three or four years, there could be this point where it's like, listen, people just they're just using PagerDuty or they're using mm. something else. It doesn't make sense for us to because this is the dilemma, like all every I think anyone that's even remotely close to like monitoring or involved in any of this is there is this mm-hmm. uh, feature overreach, right, where it's like. Oh yeah, it's just notifications, and it's like no, that's believe it or not, it's more complicated. Like the conversation we just had, it's more complicated than you think it is, and it's maybe better to just integrate with something else. So, um, but I'm sure the one billion—I mean, on the business strategy side, I'm sure that one billion dollar valuation 
you know, obviously it's caught their attention just like it's caught our attention. So, yeah. um, you know, to your point, Cote, maybe, maybe this is a place where they will expand and they will have success. So mm. time will tell. Mm. So just, just like the, uh, you know, the, uh, if you don't read four five, one stuff, they're, they're just pretty good on this. They, they have this forced format, this one part called the four five, one take. And it always is a, a good summary. I remember when I was learning that format, I was told assume probably rightly so that this is the only part most people will read. Uh, which, which, which is good. But anyways, I think, I think as they say, uh, it makes sense that there'll be a little more, uh, you know, uh, there's never a merger, but there'll be a little more a out of M and a in this area. Like, cause really like pager do that can't be a standalone company, right? Like someone's got to, uh, snatch that up at some point, yeah, but it can, right. You know, as a SAS, if, if you, you know, I mean, I, I guess I, Twillow I, or whatever is standalone, right. Which, which I still yeah. don't quite understand. Who knows? You know what? I don't know how the stock market works. No, I think you're hitting it. Like you're like this. You you just went kind of CEO on us, right? You're like page right. duty. Like how com- Like no, this is. I think this is the point. This is why it's worth a billion dollars. Like mm. it's much more complicated than people think, and it's much more valuable. Like now that they've gotten like kind of this to the size. It's they've got the flywheel really, rolling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they do. And it's like, yeah, that idea is like, like I, you know, because I've seen this conversation at least three or four different places, like pretty high up people, totally, uh, completely trivialize what they do. And I'm like, so I'm not stepping in this mm, again. I'm like, no, mm, no, no. That's I fair. think they, I'm going the opposite way. Like, I actually think they could be standalone uh, for a while. And then, of course, you know, the other part we didn't really touch on, but, you know, it's like, who's, mon- you know, who's watching the, uh, Who's monitoring the monitoring tool? It's like it is nice to have PagerDuty outside whatever you're using, your cloud tools and other stuff, because it gives you some built in not only just redundancy, but just like, hey, there's a whole different set of logic. Because, you know, as we've all been at companies that done this, like when the monitoring tool goes down and doesn't notify someone correctly, you get all like the snarky emails like, oh, what are you using to monitoring your stuff? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, God. So like it's always better to have something outside of it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think you know in this case, Patriot Judy surprisingly valuable. You know, well, surprising well, value. Well, I, I mean, okay, I, I stand corrected. I mean, you know, you know, as long as you don't go crazy next time and tell me that like a bookseller is going to like totally change IT. That's that that couldn't happen. <laughs> that would never. Well, happen. I, you know, I mean, I, I think I think the the simpler thing that that you know couldn't have stood on its own is uh there was a, a status page.io right it was mm. kind of like well that's a pretty simple idea you have a place where you put your updates you know but you don't host it on your own infrastructure atlassian scooped it up right and you know it's easy enough to replicate so i'm sure they didn't you know buy it for you know a billion dollars but it's just one of those things like oh we'll just roll that into our offering and you know it's just those sorts of things that you know a op shop should have yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, uh, what well, there's, there's several things an op shop needs. I think one of them is, is monitoring and keeping track of things, right? Do, do, does one of you want to tell us someone who could help us out with that? Oh, sure. Sure. So this episode is sponsored by, by Datadog. And this week, uh, Datadog wants you to know about Watchdog. Watchdog automatically detects performance problems in your applications without any manual setup or configuration. By continuously examining application performance data, it identifies anomalies like sudden spikes in hit rates that could otherwise have remained invisible. Uh, Once anomalies are detected, Watchdog provides you with all the relevant information you need to get to the root cause faster, such as stack traces, error messages, and related issues from the same time frame. Uh, You can sign up for a free trial today at www.datadog.com slash software-defined-talk and tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. And even if we're not your friends, you should sign up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if if we're your enemies and you're listening, watch your back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got this this office chair that came with the house, and uh, one of the rollers on it has like broken like the screw is all bent so you can't put it back in and i almost just like cream myself falling over on it. i mean i've got i've got that uh you can't really tell from my prattle but i've got that thing like you do with the kids where they sit on a yoga ball so they have to spend all their nervous energy not you know banging their head on the floor and uh you know so you can learn them better your your kids use those yoga balls uh i i used one for a while it was not 
not comfortable enough. No. And, and now I'm on a horrible IKEA office chair because oh, you know affordable. Uh, I, I, another thing I haven't smuggled over from America is my uh, my nice uh, Herman Miller chair. Oh man, can you imagine the VAT taxes on that? That would be crazy. <laughs> Well, you know, I, maybe I can fit it in my carry-on. Oh, that's a good idea. I, you know, I, I was just reflecting while we were talking about this. Like, where, where amongst the three of us, there should be someone who is just like, you know, spending of some pension funds money by like working on behind the curtain strategy at some PE firm. Like, where did we go wrong? How come? How come we didn't get hooked up with people and they just want? They're just like. Just give us an hour-long presentation of the uh, the life cycle of an IT management company so we can – maybe we need to make a book. We need to have some sort of uh, curve of IT management that charts out the entire life of a, uh, a systems management company and significant things that happen, right? Because I was thinking – I think we've even talked about this probably a couple of years ago now, but there's – I don't know where the place is now, but there's, there's some uh, – I don't know what you call them nowadays. I'll say IT management because it sounds cooler than systems management. Well, I'll say systems management because I'm 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 a pour over coffee person. So so you got your systems management company, and there's some revenue point. And I used to think it was maybe like a hundred million dollars, where basically like chances are you're gonna die. It's a, it's almost like this is it's not a chasm like crossing one, but it's like this pit that if you can't figure your shit out at past a hundred million dollars, like you just bottom out and. Typically, how you do that is you, you know, buy a company so you expand your portfolio or something like that. So like that, you know, that kind of modeling. There must be like five phases of, of a monitoring company. And on one end is like, you know, inventing stuff with the crazy person that's going to like leave after 1.5 years or something because they're fucking assholes and irresponsible. But boy, they're a genius. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, you know, you've got like kind of like the stable people and you're going to have like a CEO and a VP of marketing for two years before they get shit canned. And then you're going to get like a really good salesperson. And probably nowadays, this is a part I wouldn't know, but you're going to do like uh, an inside sales SaaS kind of thing. So you're going to need some growth hacker. And then at some point, once you cross that $100 million or whatever it is, chasm, you're kind of cool and you might get acquired or or you become some sort of like hulking behemoth, uh, you know, the three to four of which will remain unnamed. And there's a whole other strategy you apply to like either breaking that apart, like killing off things or like rebranding and optimizing stuff or just like taking private and gussying up and selling to another sucker or something like that. But I mean, wouldn't that be fun? Like it would be uh, it'd be like that. Uh, it'd be like that. Uh, who's the guy? It'd be like a Nicolas Cage Vista? movie. I, I feel like you just described this uh, Vista Equity, right? Isn't, mm. this, isn't that their... Uh... Like they have, I think they they're the ones that have it all figured. They have the five stages all written down and the standard operating procedures and oh, uh, yeah. this, is, yeah. this is what you're worth. So, uh, so yeah, I think you just probably. want to work there. But you have to take, I don't know, you have to take their. They have like very stringent personality tests. Oh you know, my Everyone God. has their own interviewing oh, really? thing. Everyone so. thinks they're like Ray Dalio uh, or Dialio. Yeah, or whatever yeah. That guy's it's like that. Kind of, it comes from that school, right? You sort of have to have. Um, you know, you have to take a certain personality test, and then of course it comes. It, it helps if you like have like. The consulting kind of background or like an MBA from yeah. a really good school, yeah. right? Because that's sort mm. of like the, uh, you know, the credentials uh, or the qualifications they're looking for. So I, I don't know. I mean, it does seem, I mean, to their credit, like, I don't know if because of that hiring process, they make a lot of money, but I know, you know, from the outside looking in, that they definitely make, they seem to be the people that know how to make lots of money doing it. Um, mm. So, so yeah. So I don't know if someone could send over the answers to the personality test, uh, that'd be real helpful. I'll, I'll take those and, uh, I'll, I'll try. So that'd be really helpful for so, me. So, so I, I think you just filled in the personality test willing to cheat on personality tests. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Would it be cheat. I would call it coaching. I'd call it coaching. Oh, coaching. Okay. I that's, like that's, it. There you uh, go. I like that. I like that I, much, I, I, much better. Yeah. It's different, but the same. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, studying. yeah, th those, it's, it's it's proactive studying, really. The, those those Vista people, they're always interesting. They're in Austin, well, right? Or, but or I what would it... boil the the coaching down. As I understand it, you have like I don't have this personality, but some people I know, many people that do. Like you just like nothing. Like when you're in the QBR, right? It's sort of like the QBR question. It's like when you're at the QBR, like there's certain times like you're just taking on like. You know, it's not going well and you're just getting kind of like a lot of questions and people are really upset. But like some people like just do really well when they're under that amount of pressure. Like it doesn't seem to bother them that everyone's very upset with them and they're kind of getting yelled at. They're just like, 
they're just like somehow they get stronger. I don't know. Maybe there's like some Superman kind of analogy here. And it's like you need to have that kind of personality test versus like other people. I don't know. Maybe the more normal results is like, oh, I'm sorry. Did it go well? I'll work harder. You know, you're just sort of like you're up there and you're, just sort of, and you're feeling the pressure. So that's what I think does well there. People who are like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, nothing bothers me. Right. It doesn't matter how bad we've performed. I'm always up there super confident. And I'm always like, well, I'm only confident if the results behind me are confident. If they're not, then I'm like, oh, I feel less confident. So that to me <laughs> seems to be the uh, the personality test that <laughs> if you have that personality where you're like, no, I'm just always confident. I think you're going to do well. Huh. I, 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 I think the key, though, is you, you don't go on a podcast and, and break down. <laughs> Don't break down. Yeah, that's never yes. been. Uh, yeah, no one is going to hear this from this and be like, you know, what we should do. We should call Brandon. Yeah, we should get him on the phone. So I doubt, <laughs> that Brandon, uh, he's a straight shooter. Like, oh, they're like, yeah, they yeah. totally got it. Like, he'll tell us exactly what's going on, and if it's not he's going well, tell us our shit yeah. like he'll show, he'll show the motion. That's you know, that's what we need more here. We need somebody just really telling us like what what he thinks, and then just gets upset if he gets yelled at. Yeah, that's what we want. No, that never happens. Mm. They won't be calling. Loose cannon. Sorry. That's what you need. Loose cannon. I think that 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 always works. well. Uh, also, uh, there, uh, has has anyone followed up on the rumors that Adobe was going to buy Marketo? I I did not call my sources on the matter, <laughs> I, which I, I don't know who that would be. But uh, yeah, not, I'm sure no maybe maybe not so much you, Matt. Although I'm sure you encounter it sometimes. But I think I think between Brandon and I, we've probably encountered Marketo the other day. You know, sometimes even the other day. Uh, I think I saw a Marketo UI on a, on a Zoom that I was sharing with someone. You know, it's sort of like the the land of Johnny Legion over there, doing all your uh, your tracking of stuff. And look at that! Coincidentally, they're they're owned by Vista. There you go. <laughs> Personalities match. But that that is, you know, I was I was looking at that, and it was making me think. Uh, the speaking of strategy, like those Adobe people, they really figured their shit out now. Now, to temper it with some, like, you know, halo effect stuff, maybe they just got lucky, which is fine. But they, uh, I don't know, and like in, in a somewhat retrospective analysis, uh, well, I guess it's completely retrospective, but they, man, they they really, like, didn't fuck up, which is my favorite strategy. <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> that, that, that's a good strategy. I mean, I mean, if, if, you, if you were to sort of, like, look at their peer group, right, like, uh, what year would this be? I guess if you took... Let's say you went, you took all of the companies in 2006 that had tech companies that had five billion dollars or more revenue, uh, and you know there'd be there'd be a lot of them that we've probably forgotten about. And and you looked at them and you said like, which one of these managed to not fuck it up? There wouldn't be that yep. many of them. <laughs> and and like, not only did Adobe manage to not fuck it up, but they also they had like uh, one of the decade's biggest fuck ups, which was they they decided that they would stick an iPhone in a blender uh, to express their attitude about the iPhone, uh, and yeah. so so that that was handy, right? They they had one of their biggest assets, Flash, like killed off because they uh, were blending, and uh, you know they recovered from that. So so good job, Adobe. You get a uh, the coveted software defined talk didn't fuck up award. <laughs> But they've done, I do think the way they've expanded, right? That's why the Marketo thing certainly caught my eye is that I, when, I don't know, when I think of Adobe, I just like the first thing of Photoshop, right? Mm-hmm. And so things that they've somehow done, I think are really impressive is that one, a lot of times when you see like SaaS numbers, software companies, uh, like you'll see Adobe mentioned. And totally. like from the best I can tell, it's like not SaaS at all. It's just like, you, I don't know, like you still have to download Photoshop and everything. So I don't know. They've just done something really smart. Like the market is convinced like, oh, they made the conversion to SaaS. But every time yeah, they use like yeah. their, their core products, it's like, no, these are just regular stuff. So I don't know. But who cares? Like good for them. They figured that out. And then they expanded, I guess, here in Austin. They bought, uh, is it Magento? Right. So they kind of like mm. get this e-commerce thing happening. Right. Yeah. That seems to be doing well. That seems to be a good place. for. It. And then, um, you know, I know this this audience is not as interested in marketing technologies, but there is just like I like to show the CNCS slide, with like all the crazy logos in the marketing world. There's an equally crazy slide. It's called like marketing landscape. And they're like even <laughs> somehow they're Austin. 
Yeah, there even somehow there are even more logos on it than like the CNCF slide. And so, but there's just tons of marketing automation, right? And it's like, yeah. but like Marketo, like that one seems like when I saw that, I was like, this makes total sense. Like, okay, uh, well, this just cleaned it up, and then yeah. this is another place for them to expand. And it's like normally we would, you know, we would say all oh, these they've diversified and got confused and they haven't done well, but all these comp- all these products seem to go to well, I guess you know pretty well. So I think they're doing this, well. This, yeah, this isn't a new. This isn't a new advance for them. I mean, if if you go and and look through you know their website, you know they obviously the creativity and design stuff that's what we're used to, but they've got a boatload of applications and 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 offerings in the marketing and analytics space already. So probably probably they already have something that competes with Marketo. Uh, you know, if you if you look at it just right, and this is like well, you know, if you can't if you can't completely beat them you know, join them and just bring it in and, and, you know, we'll curve, you know, carve off the, the rough edges and, and make it fit into this platform. And, you know, and then they'll just continue to, you know, expand it into all the, the horizontal offerings that, you know, you would want and, and to accompany your marketing, your Marketo experience, you know, just like Atlassian. Yeah. Yeah. They, they bought, was it Omniture? They bought that big Utah, uh, web blog analysis company yeah yeah <laughs> if, if, if i, I remember. mean yeah they you know analytics you know audience campaigns uh-huh. um advertising you know they've got lots of lots of stuff in that that space yeah, yeah I, I, my space. I, re- I remember yeah. back when i was at uh uh you can cue the old man cote music i remember back when i was a red monk and uh, i almost fell over on my chair again i remember uh uh like we covered Adobe a lot, and I spent a lot of time working with them back in the rich internet application day. And uh, there was one, there was one sort of strate- strategy push of like let's appeal to developers more. Like let's build on our our cold fusion sort of developer footprint and expand out. Like like Java was in a weird moment uh, at the time, and it was before the iPhone was dominant. And so there was this window of like we could do something with developers and. And that that seems right. sort of logical. And then I, I I remember always hearing on the side was this sort of like, I and I I handily dismissed it because they would use phrases like customer engagement. They might have even said like digital transformation or there was there's a pre digital transformation phrase that was like digital marketing or engagement, and uh, you know it always sounded like bullshit. But apparently, <laughs> I I was wrong. The thing I was interested yep, in was totally wrong. totally shit for them. And then uh, this marketing thing was good. It was back, back when Jeffrey Moore called it a, uh, a systems of engagement, which oh, which sounded good. Oh, but wow, yeah. But they, you know, they. I don't. Maybe, maybe again, right? Like it's just sort of like uh, a random walk down strategy street caused this. But, but in it seems like they had you know three things going on. They had like their existing CS suite, and and they had just like back when I was following them, they had just kind of like finally put like acrobat and pdf out to pasture enough that they sort of like knew eventually it wasn't going to be that big of a deal now that said i bet if you look oh. at the, i bet if you look at the revenue for the acrobat and document management business is probably you know more than i make a year uh but <laughs> <laughs> but uh still like that that was kind of shut down and then and then they kind of had cs as creative suite as we know it and then they had this ria thing and then they had their customer experience thing kind of all going in parallel and man, yeah. I'm, I mean, I know I'm repeating myself, but it was good they had those four things going there. And then finally, the thing I also remember, just for the historic record, is their, uh, I always say their CEO's name wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But I remember over and over again at quarterly calls and everything, he was always, his. I think his main thing was like, hey, look, 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 people, we're converting a uh, perpetual license business over to a SaaS business, which is, uh, you know, annual recurring. So our numbers are going to look funny. Don't freak out, right? Like, and and here's how you should be modeling moving over to a SaaS based business, and you know your uh, right. your, your subscription based stuff. Which, I it, it, man, good job. Apparently worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, the uh, the first uh, winner of, of the award. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I I, I think I think we would send a uh, we would send a custom melted acrylic award. Is is uh, what what you would get. Well, I think we'd send one of our our last T-shirts. Hey, where could people hey. get these T-shirts? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, yeah. The the T-shirts are going fast, and so if you are listening to this episode, uh, according to Brandon, you've only got ten more days. Um, 
September, they're gone. They're all right. going to be gone. And all the T-shirts are now five dollars fifty cents. So yeah. and so uh, plus, you're, you're probably thinking, "Wow, that's a great price." But I live in Europe. You know what? Even at that price, it's still you're you're saving money. That's right. That's gonna say <laughs> plus uh, tax and shipping. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yes, I don't. I have not been able to. You know what I've learned here? Physical goods so much more complicated than everything else. Like yeah, I don't know how to get things to Europe from the United States cheaply. So it's it's cost more. That's mm. what I've learned. So, but I will say, uh, uh, it's a, this very moment. I think every color is still in stock. It looks like the blue, the heather blue and gray are the most popular ones. Uh, so yeah. So, yeah. So uh, five fifty. That uh, you know, if if people care, but like, why did you price it that way? That's that guys is the fulfillment cost. Another thing, even when you're trying to like just get rid of stuff, still have to send it. So that's what it is. So so get there, get a t-shirt. They'll be gone in December, gone forever. Collector's item that will never be reproduced. So God knows if you buy it now and in, in 20 years it could be worth millions. I don't mm-hmm. know. This yeah. could. I'm. It's probably like Bitcoin, but not at all. Uh, so think of it that way. <laughs> You, you could probably buy yourself some Adobe stock, but the T-shirt is going to hold its value. That's no. right. It will not. That's right. It, you don't, <laughs> wow. You don't have to worry about it. if someone finally displaces Photoshop. Don't worry about it. Your T-shirt still valuable. Wow. Yeah, but, you know, go for it. But 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 speaking of uh, you know speaking of physical goods, there's been a lot of uh, hardware news this last week. If uh, if you've been kind of squinting and looking in the right places, um, the uh, the Vapor IO guys they raised. Uh, some private equity funding, which is, you know, uh, the, the, the most strings attached funding, I guess. <laughs> um, but they, they bought out, uh, their colo partner. And so now they're kind of entering into, they're going from being, uh, edge computing data center software to actual co-location, um, on, on some of the edge computing stuff. So that, that's interesting. Um, packet who's, uh, their CEO is from the the good old uh, uh, software days. Uh, they raised themselves a, a B round of 25 million. Google, Amazon, both a little bit of hardware. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? Oh well, yeah, hey, yeah. Big, Google has the, some uh, private cloud thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's very sketchy. But but what? It, so so vapor. Does that what is that is that a, the first of all? That's that's a sketchy name if you're going to be in tech. Oh, but no. that's fine. That's fine. Uh, oh, it's so, cloudy. It's cloudy. Get it? So, so they make they make shipping container data boxes that no. you stick in the parking lot. What what do they do? No, kinda. Um, they were software for managing. Um, like small data centers, and they were. Mm. I, I think they were doing some. You know, the the CEO was the original CEO of the Open um, Compute uh, Group, right? So, uh, uh, um, drawn like Cole Crawford. Um, so he was the founding CEO. I don't know if he's still the CEO, but uh, you know, they they raised some money to you know make high density small data centers and and the software to manage them um so you know you're a telco you've got a point of presence you might drop half a rack in there you know that kind of stuff and you know wiring those together so you could do more of the edge computing if uh if you know rather than have like a whole data center you 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 know maybe you just need to pre-process stuff before it goes up up the wire Mm. um you got some. And, you got some Internet of Things hoopla with your your, exactly. your cars uploading things and your scooters exactly, and your, your Yeti right? tumblers from, or something from from your tel- from your uh, cell phone towers and you know so that's that's the that you know edge computing market uh, that they're kind of hanging out in. I and, see. Uh, I see. Edge computing is the new private cloud because you just need some on-premise stuff spread around to do all your uh, to yeah, do but, to but, do but all not, your computing. Not, not big, you know, small. Small. Relatively small, Lo- but it's this volume. Lots of small instead of a handful of big, and then, yeah. and then uh, my car can tell me that it's time for an oil change. <laughs> Doesn't that? What's wrong with the little light on your dashboard? I know, a little light in your life, or canary in your somewhere. Hmm. But did you buy Have yourself you a car? That, right? Have you seen a lot of use cases? Because the uh, examples people always give is. Um, what you just kind of talked about the, the telcos and the pops and that, I guess that made, that all makes sense. So, but it's just, I don't know. I always come back to like, is there a need beyond 
like be is this just like a telco thing like i don't know like are you know would an enterprise want i don't know want all this edge stuff it just feels like so complicated to manage like only a few companies would want to get into this business in a big way uh yeah probably probably it's not you know the volume market of uh, a dollar hpe but um it is kind of niche and so probably you know somebody like a dollar hpe would you know buy them at some point or a cisco you know i um you know, somebody who's shipping that that kind of hardware, uh, it's a niche, but it's a valuable niche because, you know, telcos, they spend a lot of money. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Well, I think the three places this comes up all the time are uh, finance, which is usually like code word for high frequency trading, retail, and then telcos, which, I, mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, to your point, right, those three areas spend lots of money. Uh, so that would make sense. It's I don't know. Like just for the broad audience and just for, I don't know, just your general. Yeah. Yeah. If you would ever want to get involved in this or if, yeah. or if you really have the need for it either. Well, you know, you, you did maybe, maybe it's overkill, but you could do some blue sky solutioneering as they used to say, and be like, you know, if you were building a highway somewhere, uh, and you got all your shit internet of thinged up, like you probably need a data center there, right? Like if you're somewhere between like, uh, Waco and Austin, like, you're not going to get anything up there except kolaches. And so you need to like, you got to figure something out to like run all your stuff and have your steamrollers like flatten asphalt instead of people. And you're going to need some compute or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. It's one of these, uh, these like half are these, uh, shipping containers should come with like a, uh, a food truck. That would be good too. Like a, like a food truck in the back, you know, it's like if if all goes work, cause it's like, you know, I mean, who can't make money in retail like us, right? It's like, yeah, if that goes bad, just like, just, just start a, a taco truck. You're like, why not? You know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's that's uh, the that's like a winning winning combination. Yeah, see, this is also this is also that's why we should uh, we should be working at Vistas because we can be like, have you heard about the lean startup? Because what I'm thinking is we pivot to food trucks. We got a we got a lot of shipping containers and we'll just gonna pivot. Be hot. Yeah, gonna be hot. That's right. Huh. Yeah, and then the, and then there was uh, there was that little rumor Google Cloud has some sort of private cloud thing, but it was it was uh, I have not verified any of this, but it was the typical thing that to use the the Brandon decoding ring was basically like oh it sounds like spies want to run Google Cloud, like it was just like ooh there's some some mystery of them running on premise things or maybe remember you know we used to get or at least I used to get all excited about like uh, AWS on prem stuff and then Matt Ray would always be like. Hey, it's just a box full of hard drives that you copy shit to and then ship somewhere else, and uh, that was always <laughs> well. A yeah, so 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 the the Google article that that was linked to uh, I went and reread it earlier today, and and essentially they've seeded a couple of their really large customers with some of their boxes, mm. right? It's not you know, so it's not it's not like a turnkey, you know. Oh, I'm gonna go uh, to the Google store and and buy some of these. It's like you know, probably. Uh, who who are the customers they roll out for all their their big events like uh, uh, um, Spotify right probably Spotify's got some data center well I guess they don't have data centers anyway somebody like that all yeah, right some yeah. big enterprise customers got a data center and Google's like tell you what we're gonna do we're gonna drop some of our boxes in your data center yeah. how how cool would that be right but the Amazon thing I linked to that's actually much more compelling because you can go to Amazon and buy one. Mm. Um, what, what is so, it? Uh, uh, oh, it's not in the show notes, but I put it in the, the in the Slack. That's why you should join the Slack channel because you can get news <laughs> that even I and Brandon don't know about yet. Yeah, well, you guys were probably sleeping or something. I, mm. I posted during the day, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Amazon announced that they are now selling storage gateway hardware appliances. Um. And so this it's is always a box full of hard drives. Uh, yeah, well, it's a box full of hard drives with the back end on on S3 or Glacier, wherever you're putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, a hardware appliance. Um, but if you go into the article, there's a link in the Amazon.com store where you can go and buy the hardware. Oh, how does it look? It's a Dell EMC PowerEdge server. How, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't know. How does that look? It looks like a Dell server. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really cool? Not so cool? Uh, it's $12,000 cool. Um, but, yeah, so, Brandon, 
go get yourself some Amazon hardware. Right, you put I'm it next in. to your Snowball, and yeah. you can run like a little bit of Lambda. You can run one EC2 node. You get your storage gateway going. I don't know. Is it time for my annual? Because maybe that's next show where I, I predict for the fourth or fifth consecutive year. You know, this is the year. AWS reinvent. This is really I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling <laughs> it, Brandon. This is it. This is it. I'm on it this time. For real. But, it's going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. Could be. <laughs> you know, you know, that's not to take up too much of a precious time, but like I was, I was just looking at Netflix over here and, uh, and, and Yahoo Finance, the best financial site that you don't have to pay for or log into. Uh, like it looks like they've made, uh, back in 2014, they made $266 million in profit. And then they dipped down to 122 the next year, 186. And then last year they made 558 million in, in profit. If, if I'm reading, is that right? Or is that, man, I guess that's right. Cause you got the billions there. I never know how to read things when they're like all numbers and thousands. I, I like barely have a grip on numbers enough to know. I wish they would just put in the full numbers, but, yeah. uh, like, so they make money, but like, what's up with those Spotify people? Like, is that actually a viable business model? Like, is that fair to like destroy the music industry and then go bankrupt if that should happen? It just seems crazy. Uh- I I was reading something uh, a couple of days ago that said the music industry has rebounded and has been growing at like a greater than ten percent annually thanks to streaming. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean so artists it's working are getting out. paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't mean artists are getting paid, but it means the music industry. They're doing all right. It's probably yeah, just it's probably just like SaaS market, you know, markets where like most of it turns out to be Adobe somehow. We're not really sure why. <laughs> But it, it composes mo- Salesforce and Adobe compose most of the the revenue. Yeah, well, you know, they 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 show up in cloud uh, metrics. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when when it's sizing the cloud, they also show up in sizing the music industry. <laughs> Anyhow, Spotify. <laughs> Who knows how it works? Well, uh, while well, you know, also uh, while we're in the self promotional zone, if you might remember from last time, I think I think we pleaded to get some reviews, and we got one review. So good job, listeners. It's uh, I think I think let's see if we have. Let me all you know. Speaking of, let me, someone one of you can do this math. Last episode we had two thousand five hundred sixty-eight downloads. So if we had one review, what's the conversion rate on that? Is that a low? Very low. low. <laughs> it means it, you know in the QBR we'd say opportunity for improvement. We need to we need to pivot. We got to pivot on that. But but there private, is private, private equity is not going to really. Like I think you know at a QBR this is what we would be talking about. Someone be would be because I thought about how do we motivate everyone. So this is how people motivate me in the QBRs. They like pick some arbitrary competitor that may or may not be relevant to you. So I think for us it's Pod CTL. How can we allow Pod CTL? This would be the speech someone give me. Mm-hmm. How can we let Pod CTL beat us? Do we not care? Do we not like? Are we not trying? Are we not trying to do it though? So that's really our enemy. I want. <laughs> I want a pod CTL because Those like who nice. wants no no who wants to listen to a podcast that's like well informed that has good information it's very oh, well produced yeah. it explains uh, complicated technology in a very easy to understand way that's not what you guys want that's not that's not what you need <laughs> you need it's always like thirty minutes it's very concise you guys need over an hour of like random Crap. talk occasionally information Matt Ray provides is is insightful there's a lot of talk about coffee. And, and I would prefer, you know, we can't let Pod CTL own us like this. So I would prefer everyone, you know, get uh, in you, there, give us some reviews. Uh huh. They've never talked about office chairs, so I think never. we we might have it in there. We they might have it. They in. never talk about Costco. <laughs> I mean, so it's, for us to allow them to win means we're not trying. We're not yeah. trying. So you know, so next week I want I want to see enough reviews so that we're pulling even with. Our friends at Pod CTL. Yeah, I, I think even? I think the I, I like what I think the motto of of this campaign is that after you're done getting smart, listen to software defined talk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that that said, I want to I want to read this review because it's 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 brief. It's from someone named Squid Dog, which sounds like someone who would listen to this show. Uh, and it says, man, I love this show. Also, the next sentence is why I'm going to read it. I got hooked with Kote's speaking style. See, look, look at that. But stuck around for the content. If you work with systems, be it public cloud, private cloud, I forgot a comma here, or even just traditional data center <laughs> software and systems, you'll probably like this podcast. See, all the way down to the fourth word. I would never say you'll like it. I'll be like, I, you know, don't hold me to this, but you'll probably like it. I, I don't know. I'm out. So that that was a good good review there. And uh 
I don't think we we, we haven't gotten to our KPI of three thousand three thousand downloads reliably per episode, but we're getting close. Uh, so so everyone's doing a great job on uh, on that. Yeah. So uh, so with that, uh, you know, we also have a Slack channel. We have tons of conferences we're going to. I was looking at my conference schedule. Uh, Ridiculous. Yeah, and it looks like it looks like um, uh, I'm gonna have to buy some good Christmas presents because my family's not gonna see me until then. But I've been told that the the Amsterdam winter is terrible, so I'll be away during that. <laughs> so you abandon your family to it. I, I, I hear you. Uh huh. Uh huh. All sorts of places. Uh, anyhow, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, what what do you want to recommend this week, Matt Ray? Uh, well, as far as conferences or uh, you no, know. no, your recommendations. Uh, we don't have time for uh, well, unless unless you want to highlight a conference. You can I will. Use. I'm going to highlight DevOps Day Singapore. Okay, uh, I'm going to be keynoting day two, uh-huh. and uh, uh, going to be uh, giving giving some ignite talks uh, also. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's a really fun conference. Um, so if you're coming to Singapore, I will see you there. Uh, but yeah, my, uh, my, my pick for the week, um, I just finished, uh, reading, uh, kitchen confidential, you know, so, uh, uh, Anthony Bourdain, I, I was never like a huge fan of his, you know, I'd see his show occasionally like, Oh, this is good. Right. And I read some stuff from him like, Oh, this is good. But I never really like got that far into it, but, uh, I figured uh, you know, I should read the book and, uh, it was actually uh, pretty entertaining. Um, I I worked in uh, in the restaurant industry for a while, so I, I recognized a lot of the uh, stories and and people he talked about. Um, you know, not not not. I wasn't in New York, so I didn't know the actual people, but you know the, the types uh, of the people, tropes, yeah. the types. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's uh, very entertaining, light light reading. Uh, you know, if if you've if you haven't worked in the restaurant industry, you probably uh, won't look at restaurants the same way again. But you know, I already know how filthy it was. Um, speaking of uh, secrets and filth, uh, there's a uh, I, I guess I watched it on Netflix, but it was uh, an Australian series uh, called Secret City. Um, uh, apparently, there's a second season is about to start up. Pretty good if you uh, enjoy a little bit of. Uh, political intrigue and uh you know it's a little bit of uh espionage that kind of stuff um nice short six episode season um doesn't wrap well i'm not gonna spoil it so uh yeah yeah very enjoyable if, if you're into uh australian politics mm. <laughs> yeah they, they should make a movie out of that uh that not herman melville that china melville book the the city in the city that's that's a good book i should go read that again but I should go read that. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. He's got a whole other series that's sort of like, uh, hmm, how would you describe it? It's sort of like it's sort of like Shadow Run uh, steampunk, sort of. Well, no, that's exactly oh. what it's like, and uh, along with like lots of mutants. Uh, it's almost like mutants amok, Shadow Run, and uh, steampunk. Uh, if you're familiar with magic, those. yeah. But he's got it. Yeah, that series is good. It's it's it falls into the uh, it falls into my favorite speculative fiction i think that's what people say right uh speculative fiction trap which is man they're really long books and uh since there's so many interweaving characters and plots like it's easy to lose track because they're so long like you know uh, maybe i should just learn to pay attention better well how about how about yourself uh brandon well first did we get any uh any feedback or anything do you have an update on the the gna is it gsna of uh software defined talk i do so let's see you've got a couple things here uh I don't. I'm gonna say the name wrong. It's uh, Eowyn from Wellington sent us uh, New Zealand sent us a, a nice note, he, and he wanted uh-huh. a sticker. So uh, he thanks us for the time and energy to make the show. Oh, if he only knew how much time and energy it took. <laughs> uh, but, I'm gonna uh, be in Wellington next week. I could have uh, brought it to him. Well, there you have it. So it's, yeah, it's on. Sorry. It's on. Nate, that's okay. He'll. Uh, uh, so we always appreciate it. And of course, if anyone else wants. Uh, sticker just email us your name and your postal address or your mailing address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and those we can send uh, worldwide so so definitely do that and then there was a bunch of people pointed out that uh 
our website. Uh, we, you know, we, we uh, dusted off, uh, you know, the SSL and I had the security team come in. So we are now officially back to being uh, fully secure. So actually our, our host Fireside uh, FM did all the work. So I uh, clicked on the radio buttons, but then everything seemed to work. So, and so all annoying uh, security warnings should be gone from all of softwaredefinedtalk.com and softwaredefinedinterviews. So fear not, you will not be, uh, your identity will not be stolen from mm. us. All right, we're, 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 we're ready for our pen testers. I think, I think this yeah, explains... Exactly. We're 100%. Th- this explains our low conversion rate because I'm sure most everyone who was listening last week clicked to go to software to find talk and they got that security bug out and they were like, they were freaked uh, out. I'm out of here. Because, you know, yeah, if, right. if you go to software to find talk.com, there's a, there's a Apple iTunes thing and you click on that and it goes directly to where you can write a review. It's very yeah. No, easy. it's fun. You know, I, I, I hope, you, hope everyone enjoys our Slack channel. It's been, you know, there's always lots of good information, but like joining other places like uh, fireside has a Slack. And, um, I also like, uh, our, Favorite, our friends, uh, uh, just friend Marco, uh, what is it? Overcast has a Slack, so it's fun going to other people's Slack and just see what everyone's complaining about. And you know, I was like, oh, software's hard. That's what I always learned by browsing <laughs> other people's Slack. So because like, just there's always like people very upset about things. But anyway, the most important thing is you don't have to worry. That's you right. can go to our website; it all works. It's great. Um, and then, as we mentioned, get a T-shirt for five fifty. Make sure you get it by the end of the month. Uh, what else can I advertise? Buy my uh, Quick Con Call iPhone app. I'm, I'm hard at work. I have the team hard at work on the the new version. You know, it works now, but we want to make it better for iOS twelve. Now I understand why all the iPhone developers complain about new releases. Now I'm getting it. I finally understand. Oh, wow, they do break a lot of stuff, so you have to fix it all. Hmm. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna add I'd, some uh, some Siri shortcuts to be like Siri, dial me into the Con Call. Yeah, you know, that's the oh. one thing. We, we need to have a whole other episode on series shortcuts. Like, how did that happen? Like, what's going on? Who wants this? Anyway, we won't, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Uh, and then I was, But I will say what people do want. I think they do want, speaking of voice shortcuts. So, of course, we have the Alexa. We have one, uh, like, in our big uh, kitchen, great room area. And so we listen, basically all we do is listen to music. And my brother actually suggested this. He said you could actually use the Alexa shopping list. So if, if mm. you have yours in your kitchen and you, like, run out of something, you just say, uh, I won't say it in case people are listening on that thing, but you just say the name of the device and you say add it to your shopping list, and then boom, it's right there. It's in your shopping list, and then if you're if you're uh, hooked up with your family, everyone has access to the shopping list. So then when you're at the store, you can just look down and say, oh, yeah, we got to get tomatoes or whatever whatever it is. So I find this to be a very convenient use of uh, the Amazon device. It's been it's probably the second most popular thing we do with it uh, because I never implement, I never actually enable any skills. I think I've enabled two, and it's like. It's never. It's always a letdown. So maybe I'm missing out. But these two things work well: music and shopping list. So check it out if you haven't done it. There's a link there on how to set it all up. It takes like two seconds, so it's very easy to use. So check it out. Now, now, what do you have to use the the Alexa app to look at your shopping list? Where do you where do you, can you look at it? Yeah, that's the way that I do it. We hmm. just use. So yeah, so like I think if you there probably is a skill for like I don't I know Evernote. I guess Evernote's laying off people. But what, I don't know what's the preferred to do list right now. Is there like I don't know. I don't know, I, you know, I, I don't know what I, the I, best I, one is. I found I found that just making a Google note is is the best thing because the the uh, the 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 one person I would ever want to share a shopping list with that's what that's what they use and so yeah. it works really yeah. well. Yeah, well that's you know that's in my house that's how it works as well. It's just like hey everybody has this Alexa app that cares mm. so my wife and so it's just easy to look at it. So yeah, so this is just another thing. Just use the default unless there's some really good reason. Right. I, see. I think every time you're uh, going to interact with like other people. You know, just you, you probably want to use the default. That's but right. I don't know. I check it out. Well, well, step one to interacting with other people is don't, and then and then two is if you have to. There's there's some advice there that that you can you can look into. Well, this week I finally uh, let's see. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday I finally got a bike here in Amsterdam. I don't know. Just in case the listeners don't know, people ride a lot of bikes here, or I should say, a lot of people ride bikes here. It's not like one person owns five bikes. Uh, you know, in case you're Lewis caroling me or something. But anyhow, I got a bike. You get a 179 euro, get this uh, secondhand bike. And, uh, you know, it's, all the bikes around here are like like 60s and 50s style bikes, you know, like where they got like the little, the handles in the shape of a U and they're all like prim and proper. There, There's there's very little uh, sort of like Thanks, sporty bikes. performance characters 
characteristics to bikes around here. They're just going to get stolen, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are just like they just got bikes. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so I got a bike finally and, and it's amazing. I don't know if y'all have ridden around a bike just casually in a while, but it's, it's kind of crazy. Like you can just like go clear across town on a bike and you're out there just biking around. <laughs> it's really nice and relaxing. And, and my excuse and for it's this, so flat, right? Yeah, well, it's also flat. I, that, my excuse for this, like, uh, you know, stupidly stupendous, like, uh, epiphany is, you know, I've lived in Austin all my life. And in Austin, uh, despite being some sort of biking capital, which I never understood for the following reasons, like, one, uh, true to the name of being in the hill country, there's a lot of hills. Like, not like San Francisco, yeah. but there's hills. Now, two, what is one thing uh, that you would probably not, if you're exerting yourself, uh, what, what kind of climate would you like to have? I know. You would like to have a climate where it's 110 degrees outside. That's probably what you want. So consequently, oh, and also, uh, you know, there's just, you can't really bike anywhere unless you want to get hit by a car and laughed at. Maybe not in Austin, yeah. but man, you get like a whole place set up that's super flat and it's like in the, uh, the sixties. It's, it's great. You get a bike. It's, it's crazy. So, so, uh, I, I've been thinking of excuses to ride the bike. I was thinking like today I should go work wow. at a coffee shop, but like a coffee shop that's really far. So, so that I can, <laughs> I can bike to it. And, and I've even, I've even started to convince myself that maybe if I listen, like I've got this whole queue of podcasts that professionally I need to listen to because they like interview your digital transformation chasm jumping people. And I'm like, you know, this is good research. And so I keep telling myself, maybe if I just listen to those, I can actually bike around and that counts as work. Um, oh, but I'm, on I'm the clock. a little too responsible there, but yeah. And of course I'll put a picture. Of course, I, uh, I put a software defined sticker on it so I can finally be like Brandon and be on brand. And, and, uh, I think that'll help us get to our KPI for this year. People will, uh, look at that and, and look it up. Cause so far, most of the people I've met around here, they either work in at banks or, uh, on computers. I think, I don't even know if there's a selection bias, but this is, I saw someone in a GitHub shirt the other day, just walking around. So hopefully they didn't just find it in some pile of free stuff. And, and, they're, and they're wearing it. Uh, but there you go. So anyhow, this has been software defined talk. Uh, you know, you know the uh, the podcast to listen to. Uh, after, you know, if you have time to kill or after you've done important things, uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash one forty seven. That's that's the way we do all the episodes. So if you wanted to randomly pick a number between one and one forty seven, you could find a random episode easily. You'd write some sort of script to uh, deploy in your Lambda to do that or something. You might want to run it on an edge device, some sort of data center out at Waco, something like that. I bet Waco has pretty good data centers. Don't they have like Baylor there or something? Although, you know, Baylor never really came up as a big uh, computing place like A&M oh, did. That, that, that's why it's just an edge computing. Mm, that's right. That's right. <laughs> It's no Tamu or whatever. Uh, anyhow, uh, and uh, you should subscribe to the podcast. You go to softwaredefinedtalk.com or you can look it up wherever you listen to things. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.